Let's be real. Come on. All right. <laughs> Not you. You're here. It's the people coming in later. Anyway, great to be with you this morning. So great to have you. If you're a guest, uh, we want to welcome you. What a great day to come uh, on our, we call it our ministry fair. We like to talk about, uh, as you look out there, you see kind of the ministries and all the things that are happening here around the life of the church. We'll talk about, about that a little bit more later. Just a few family business things want to update you on. Um, he's still in the back, Matt, who is drumming us for today. We want to congratulate Matt and Paige. Matt's our life group pastor. No one even knows that they're congratulating you, but just congratulations for being in person. All right, so uh, <laughs> uh, they had their second uh, son last week, and a uh, healthy baby, Kellen Blaze Carlson. Yeah, so uh, congrats. We're excited for you guys. And, uh, you know, he's already here. Look at this. The next week, drumming. Love it. So, uh, uh, and uh, one other thing we've been talking about uh, a couple months ago, we talked about some of our vision, where we're going as a church, and we just thought we'd give you some updates on how all of that is progressing. Uh, one of the big things, probably the biggest changes that we have is uh, we're uh, launching a, a Spanish language venue, and what we mean by that is that is a, a worship gathering that will be conducted all in Spanish. The, the worship, the teaching, all that will be in Spanish. Uh, we have been working in this area of ministry for years here, uh, doing our after-school tutoring and all that. We believe that this is the next step that we've been working towards the last couple of years. COVID kind of delayed some things. Uh, but part of that process is uh, we have been remodeling our high school room where our high schoolers use it. They'll continue to use it. But now they have a remodeled room with new paint, carpet, new technology, everything set up for them. That will um, be used one of the gather services in Sunday mornings eventually. That'll be where this uh, Spanish language worship service will take place. Uh, so we're making progress there. And we're in talks right now and, and interviews with uh, candidates uh, for who will lead that ministry. And so continue to pray for that. We're really excited. Uh, we know that God has uh, called us, uh, placed us here on purpose. Uh, we know within a half mile of Seacoast, over 50% of the population is Spanish-speaking. So uh, we've been here for a, a long time as a church and have had other ministries, uh, and we believe that this is the step God's inviting us into. We're really excited about it. And uh, we also, not only do we want to reach our community, but we believe that the uh, picture of the community of God is where every tri tribe, tongue, nation worships God together. And so uh, that's why we're not having this gathering happen in the afternoon. We're happening, it will happen during one of our services because we believe that a beautiful picture of the family of God is when we're all kind of mingled in together. Uh, the Spanish language will be in a different room than here, but we're going to share our student ministries, our kids' ministries. It's not a separate church. It's one church. And the reason we're doing it that way is because we believe that that is the biblical model. And uh, so we're excited for it. Continue to pray for us in that process and pray for that pastor who will be coming hopefully in the next month or two. Um, one of the part of our vision we talked about is in our kids' ministry. As you know, we are very much committed to our students, our kids, and our youth, and uh, to the families. Uh, we think it's a vital part of the our kingdom of God, of reaching the next generation. And one of the things that we're doing is uh, restructuring some of what we, how we do uh, our kids' ministry, where we are bringing in a full-time person to work alongside Devin Herman, who uh, has been doing an awesome job in that role, uh, in, uh, in that ministry for years. So she's going to be continuing on, and we're bringing on somebody to work with her in a full-time capacity. So I want to invite up, where's she at? Where's Katie? She's still out on the, oh, I thought she was, so I want to welcome and introduce you to Katie Lawton. Come on up. So there's a photo of Katie and her husband, Dave. They've been a part of Seacoast for about a year now, a little over a year. 
And uh, so Katie will be coming on in a full-time capacity in our uh, kids ministry pastor position. And uh, one of the great things is uh, Katie actually graduated from Talbot Seminary, which I also graduated from Talbot, so I'm very excited to have a fellow Talbot grad on staff. Uh, she has four years of working in kids ministry up in Mission Viejo and has made, she, she's been enlightened and made her way to San Diego, as many of us who were, used to be L.A. or Orange but County. But I'm still a Dodger fan, so sorry, guys. Um, she has 90-day prohib- probation period, so um, she may not be here past the playoffs. We'll see, but uh, <laughs> neither will the Padres. So. <laughs> oh, wow, wow, that's really that's actually pretty good. But um, yeah, truth hurts. Anyway, so okay. <laughs> well, um, I was going to introduce you to Katie, but we're going to move on with our service. <laughs> No, we're excited to have her here, and I'm um, excited to have you a part of it, and um, there's a lot of grace for sinners, and so we, we're okay with Dodger fans, um, but uh, we'd love for you to join uh, me as we pray uh, for Katie, and just uh, pray our prayers over and blessings of that ministry. So it's a sign of unity. Would you stand um, so we can uh, pray for Katie and David as they begin their ministry here? Lord God, we thank you so much uh, for Katie. We thank you for the journey she's been on in her life and uh, her love for your word, her desire to uh, train and teach and, and raise up uh, future generations and, and work with parents. And, and we just thank you so much for her. Ask your blessings on her life. And um, we ask your blessings on her marriage with David. And we pray protection. And we pray that she and Devin would be um, of one heart and mind as they uh, lead our students so that many, many more can discover life in you. So we thank you and lift her up to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you do anything else, stay standing. I, I forgot to ask you your question. See, you talk about the Dodgers and we forgot. Katie, what are you most excited about your position here? She's supposed to talk before I pray. <laughs> I know, sorry guys. <laughs> I hope my husband, he has been sick with COVID, so I hope this is the service that he watched. He's a Padres fan, so. Probably <laughs> yeah. gave him a good chuckle. Um, no, I, I love, honestly, I love people, um, and I love being in relationship with people and families, and that was my favorite part of children's ministry before, was with family. So I'm so excited to work with Devin, who's amazing and has been running this thing for so long, and it's just so great. And I now will have the opportunity to be with families and kids and invest and pour in, so, and a great staff, too. So I'm just really excited. Yeah, thank you. Well, let's welcome Katie, and uh, thank you, Katie, for, for being here. And before you sit down, would you just take a moment and uh, say hi to the people around you and take about 30 seconds and we'll uh, continue on in just a moment.
All right. Well, once again, welcome. And to those of you who are uh, watching online or out in the plaza, we're so glad to have you joining with us as well. Uh, we're in the middle of our series, or the end of our series called Repurpose, and it's finding meaning in normal life. And because we really believe sometimes in the Christian life, there can be this idea that if we're to find our purpose and calling, that it must be something uh, grand, that it's uh, quit your job and move to Africa to be a missionary or, or accomplish some big thing. And, and, and so sometimes we search for purpose and, and we start looking in places that we think that maybe is not in our wheelhouse or not how we're created. And really God is saying, no, your purpose is found in everyday life. That, there's a perp- that we are called to walk and represent the ways of God. And it's whether you're a teacher, a stay-at-home parent, or if you're a CEO, or a doctor, or a lawyer, or whatever you are, if you're a student, that God has purpose for you in your normal life. And so where you are is where God wants you. And so that's what we've been looking at. And the idea of repurpose is he rescues, the scripture talks about he rescues us and redeems us, restores us. It's like taking that old piece of furniture out of the thrift store and saying, I'm gonna give this a new purpose and it's gonna be used for a new thing. And so that's what God does with us. And so that's what we've been looking at. Now, last week, we kind of dove deep on what it looks like, sorry, I have a little mic problem, what it looks like when our purpose, when we hit some roadblocks, maybe decisions we made, maybe sin that we struggle with, maybe it has something to do with things that, circumstances that happen around us, maybe some of the fears and doubts. And we looked at that even in that, that those aren't times for us to give up and walk away, but it's time when actually God is inviting us to process, say, hey, this is part of your story, and that even in those roadblocks, those doubts, those fears, the bad things that happen in our lives, that God wants to be present with you. He wants to walk with you and work with you. And we talked about listening to God's overpowering voice to speak truth to us in those moments. So that's kind of where we've been going. Now, um, today we're going to end on this series. And we're going to look at a piece of this that I think is probably one of the most unexplored parts of the faith. Because for a lot of us, this idea of, okay, you can tell me my purpose, you can tell me that God's with me, but how does that really work? How does that really work out? And how does it work that God is working in me? So we want to explore the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives today. So for some of you, this is going to be brand new. Some of you, uh, maybe you, you know everything about God, and you'll say, oh, I already know that. So that's great. And, and, but for all of us, I believe God's inviting us in to a life of faith. When I was thinking about this series uh, last week I was out surfing and we had a really good swell that came in last week which doesn't always happen in the summer and we had like this three to five and four to six foot days so some decent sized waves and, um, and one of those uh, days I kind of was sitting on the outside partly because I didn't want to get smashed by a big wave and, and so I was kind of hanging out on the outside for a little while and just praying and reflecting and thinking actually about this message and one thing that came to my mind is I remembered the first time that I ever went to the ocean. Now, a lot of you kind of grew up in California, or you're born in San Diego, and so you say, I can't remember the first time I went to the ocean, but I, I was an army brat. My dad was in the army, and so I was born at Fort Benning, Georgia, and moved up to Minnesota, and when I was uh, at the end of third grade, we got word that we were being transferred to the Presidio in San Francisco, so I went to, moved to Northern California, and so I remember the first day I went to the ocean. In fact, here's a, here's a picture. This isn't the picture of my actual picture, but we went to this beach here, this beach is in Northern California. It's called Stinson Beach. And Stinson Beach is just, it's in Marin County, just on the other side of the Golden Gate Bridge. And um, when we went to the ocean here, that, this is my first view of it. Now, I 
I grew up, you know, all over the place. So for me, you'd think of palm trees and beach boys and, and golden tan bodies and surfing and like that was the ocean. But my first view was actually Stinson Beach, which is cold. And uh, some of you would know it as the beach where um, sharks eat people. So that was, th- this was uh, the, the first time I went to the ocean. And um, all we knew is my parents who uh, grew up as Midwest farmers, so they gave me great advice for the ocean, but they just said, oh, there's this thing called the undertow and the rip current. You got to think about those. And so uh, that was fine. They gave us some input, but we went, and the day probably looked about like that. Not very big waves. And all I knew from the day is uh, we didn't have any boogie boards. We didn't know how to body surf. We didn't know anything. We just went and jumped in the waves. We just splashed around the waves. We were like the people, you know, in April who are swimming at Moonlight Beach without wetsuits, yeah, that was, that was me when my first time. It was like, I don't know what to do. I'm just in the ocean, and it's cool. And, and so we just splashed around and played and enjoyed the day. And at that mo- and I was reflecting on this the other day, thinking that, bear with me, this is an analogy, but the ocean is a little bit like God. In fact, Evan shared an analogy with me a while ago about this. He thinks about God as this ocean, and, and he's not an ocean, but the analogy. So vast. No matter how much you explore, you never quite fully understand it. And when I was thinking about my first experience with the waves, I was thinking, a lot of us, this is our experience with God. Kind of a normal beach, small waves. Pretty fun, just nice, comfortable, nothing too scary, nothing too exciting, just, that's God. Just, yeah, it's different, it's cool. And that's all we ever experience that we don't really get to know the vast power that can be in those waves. The, the excitement that can be found in the deeper waters. But many of us, myself included, from time to time, want to stay in the shallow waters with a small view of God, thinking that he's just here to keep us entertained, keep us com- look comfortable. But is there more? And when I think of today's topic, we think about the Holy Spirit I believe that there's more that he's inviting us into. So let's pray as we get started. God, I thank you for today. And I pray that you'd speak to us in this place. No matter what, uh, where we're at in our own lives spiritually, would you speak to us? Would you change us? Would you help us see you more clearly and shape our lives? In Jesus' name, amen. So a few weeks ago, we talked about our, our overarching purpose as mankind. God said in, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, says, let's make mankind in our image, and in the image of God, male and female are created, and then he said, go be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. So your purpose and calling is to fill the earth with the image of God. That was what we're made for as humans. That was our purpose. So whatever you do in normal life, you represent the image of God. And actually, Jesus, when he came and walked on the earth, he repeated this command in a different way. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus says this, Go and make disciples. Disciples are people who are students of Jesus or people in the image of God. So go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So talking about God is this vast view of of, of God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. There's this Trinity view of God we can't totally understand, but we know it's communicated through scripture but so jesus says go make disciples basically go fill the earth multiply fill the earth with my image that's the call and many who maybe are christians you've been around a while you've heard that maybe you've even been challenged by that and you think okay yeah go make disciples i remember when i first became a christian in fact at the time i was living in st louis 
And as living in St. Louis, and I was a skater punk because, you know, I was a skater. So I was natural. Of course, I was a skater punk. That's what we are. And so I was a skater, and it was back in the day. And uh, some of you, you're like, wait, what are you talking about? I'm talking about you. Yeah. So back in the day, I was a skater. I became a Christian. And I went to this youth group, and uh, it was one of the first times I really started going to youth group, and it was the summer before my junior year of high school. And we were at this youth group, and there were some other kids skating on the church property. And the youth pastor came to me and said, hey, Ryan, why don't you come with me? I want you to go share your faith with those kids. And I thought, why? And he's like, because they're skaters, and you are too. You're the only one in here wearing Vision Streetwear. Come on, any 90s kids with me? Anyone? Uh, so I want you to go do that. And we don't want them skating on the church property. That was the other part of the evangelism. But so he, he said, let's go do it. And in my mind, I thought, are you kidding me? No way. I don't, one, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to convince them. I, I don't even want, what if they, they're going to know who I am. I'm kind of embarrassed about this. And so here I am now, a new Christian, and they say, go share your faith because they're skaters and you are too. So I remember it was a really big church, and I walked with them, and we're kind of walking through the halls towards the front. And we got to the front, and they, they were gone. And I was like, thank you, Lord. Praise Jesus, I don't have to share Jesus with those kids. I'm so grateful that you'd set me free from that, God. Because I didn't want to do it. I was afraid to do it. I thought, I don't have anything to offer. And my guess is some of us feel like that from time to time. That you know what God is prompting you or maybe calling you to, and even this, this call to represent his image and live out his ways. And, but we're doing that in a culture that's very counter-Christianity. We're doing it in a world that's not all that excited about Christians everywhere. So there's times you just think, oh, I just don't know if I can pull this off. What is that going to look like? So why does Jesus tell us to go make disciples if it's so difficult and we don't always have the tools? There's a, an answer to that, and it's in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where we see Jesus gives us that same command, but there's a little more insight to it. He says this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, I'm still asking you to go and, and represent my name to bear my image to the ends of the earth, but you'll receive power to do it from the Holy Spirit. You don't have to do it in your own power, your own wisdom, your own knowledge. That's good news, amen? Anyone with me? That we are given the tools to fulfill this. So here's what we're gonna do today, is I wanna just take a moment to talk about what are the roles that the Holy Spirit plays in our lives. And we're going to go quickly through this, so it's not going to be everything. It's going to be pretty quick if you like to take notes. I don't even have the verses for you on the screen today. I want you to write them down to think about them in your life groups. If you do sermon base, you can talk about these. We can take a way deeper dive, but for today, I just want to give you some ideas of, of there's actually six things. There's many more, but six I want to show you of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Because the, we know in Christ we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. So what does that look like? So you ready to go? Here's what it's going to look like. First one is this. The Holy Spirit, what does he do? He draws us to God. In John chapter 16, verse 13, it says this. Jesus is writing, or speaking, and he says, but the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. Again, in John chapter 15, verse 26, says, when the comforter, the advocate comes, it's the Holy Spirit, 
whom I'll send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father will testify about me. In other words, the Spirit works in our lives to bring us and draw us to God. Now you say, well, I don't, how does that work? Have you ever had those moments or those times when you just say, there's just something, something that was compelling me. I felt like God was doing something, that God was drawing me, putting me in a situation where I kept hearing about him. In the first service, we uh, had baptisms, and one of the stories that we heard this morning was somebody who works in L.A., and she, would, she came down here and just happened to have some stuff in public storage. And she would drive by Seacoast, and one morning just said, I'm just going to go stop in. She stopped in, and it began a journey that God was uh, working in her life, drawing her into faith in him. She goes, I don't know why I stopped in that day, but it was the right day, the right message, the right time. Have you ever felt that way? The Holy Spirit works in our lives and speaks in ways that sometimes we don't understand. I had a friend who was a professional musician. He toured and he played in concert venues and clubs. And he said there's a, seri- a time in his life when everywhere he went, people were randomly saying to him, like, hey, I just want you to know Jesus loves you. And the first time he thought, okay, pal, thanks. And the next time, hey, Jesus loves you. And these are like in nightclubs and stuff. And he said it happened for over a month or so. And then finally, this is his story. He said, I was, bear with me, I was in the men's room going to the bathroom. I was playing a show that night, and a guy came next to me, which is breaking a rule anyway. There's a pattern you have to have. And he came next to me, and he said, hey, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. And my friend was like, what's the deal? Are you kidding me? Even here. And, it's, and it began the process of a faith journey for him. He's a pastor to this day. And he said that just randomly that God was using other people to speak to him. The Holy Spirit will speak to you and bring things and situations and people into your life that draw you to him. That's one of the roles of the Spirit. Next one is this. Number two. He convicts us of sin, reminds us of sin. In John chapter 6, verse 8, says this. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. This is what we would call our conscience. This is when you feel like, man, there's just something not right. It's interesting that if you look at every culture all across the world and every corner of the globe, people have this sense that something's broken, that just something's not quite right. I believe that the Holy Spirit's at work in people who maybe don't even yet believe to say, to point us to the truth. Paul writes that in Romans chapter 1. He says that all creation tells or speaks of the glory of God. That we're without excuse because creation itself testifies that God exists. Something in us knows that something is broken and we're reminded of that. So he convicts us of sin. Uh, We have a new puppy in our house. It's a golden retriever, which are the cutest things on earth. And God made it that way so that we keep them uh, when they're puppies. And so we have a 12-year-old golden retriever uh, who's training the four-month-old um, basically by just sleeping all day. We're like, just do that. Why can't you just do that? And, uh, but the puppy, um, do you guys know like puppy guilt? You guys know what guilty puppies look like? They know when they do something wrong. Puppies are sinners. Let me just tell you that. Yesterday I was making a, a, a meal for uh, our family and I had some chicken on the uh, counter and it was uh, seasoned and it was sitting there, a few pieces of chicken. My dog, my puppy was asleep in the, other, in the living room, asleep on the carpet. I went out to the garage for 20 seconds to grab one thing. I came back in and he, saw, and he was running through the house with a big old piece of raw chicken running through the house. So, and he, he, he wasn't like, hey, am I doing something wrong? He knew it. The Holy Spirit was convicting him. <laughs> 
of his sin. So I grabbed him, rinsed off the chicken, and we ate it anyway. But, um, sorry I didn't tell you about that part of the story. I, met, I didn't tell my family that part. But anyway, it was a good marinade. So, uh, but that, that example, he knew as soon as I ran in there, and I, I called his name. He did that puppy guilt where he came up to me, walked backwards, looking at me like this, like, I'm so sorry. It smelled so good. <laughs> it's a picture of really us with God often. The times when we say, Lord, I'm so sorry that I'm living in my old self, my old life. I, I have these things that I'm, uh, that I'm working through and failing at from time to time. And, but yet the Spirit works in us and reminds us of, oh, this is not the way it's meant to be. This is not who I am. So he convicts us. He reminds us of those things. Next thing, third thing. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us or prays for us. He reminds us of our true identity. In Romans chapter 8, verse 17, it says this, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, we're heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so we may be glorified with him. In other words, even when we go through rough times, even when we go through failures, even when we're struggling with our doubt, the Holy Spirit in Christ, if you've given your life to Christ, reminds you and testifies of your real identity. You are a son or a daughter of God. Your failures do not define you. That's not who you are. That's the old self. You are an heir with Christ. Amen? That is good news that we all need today, that you are sons and daughters of God and your past does not define you. Your present failures do not define you and your future mistakes do not define you. The spirit of Christ in you defines you. That's the truth that he reminds us of. In Romans chapter eight, verse 26, Paul goes on and continues to write and says this, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness for we don't know what to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes with groanings too deep for words. So not only does he remind us of our true identity, but he intercedes for us. In this moment where we're going through doubt, in this moment we're going through struggles, that the Holy Spirit is so for you that he's pleading for you on be to the Father. That's a pretty powerful prayer partner, would you agree? So he intercedes with us. Next thing is this, number four. He comforts us, gives us his peace. In Christian world, often we talk about, Paul actually writes that we pray that the peace that surpasses all understanding would guard your heart. Well, where does that peace come from? Because peace doesn't make much sense. But in John chapter 14, verse 25, Jesus write, or speaks and he says, I've spoken this while I'm still with you, but the comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you everything I have to say to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give you peace as the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. See, the Holy Spirit will come and actually give us peace. This doesn't mean that he takes away all your problems. It doesn't mean that you have no issues. It doesn't mean that life isn't hard. It just means in the middle of that, there's this supernatural peace that we can experience that comes from the Spirit. Do we still grieve? Yes. Do we still feel pain? Yes. But we know we don't do it alone. The story of uh, a famous hymn called It Is Well With My Soul was written by the man who, his four daughters died in a shipwreck crossing the Atlantic. And uh, when he took the boat ride from the United States to England to be with his wife after his daughters passed, when he passed the exact place where the shipwreck happened and his daughters died is where he wrote the the song, It Is Well With My Soul. 
that was a peace that was supernatural. Now, he didn't say, well, I don't care. It's fine. No, he grieved. He said, when my sorrow, like sea billows flow, like, the, like this raging sea is the sorrow that I'm experiencing now, even then, because of the Spirit in me, it is well with my soul, that I find this supernatural peace. And again, it doesn't mean there's no emotion. It doesn't mean there's no pain. It doesn't mean there's no doubt or questions or even a time where you say, God, why? But in that, the Spirit wants to meet you there. Okay, two more. Next one is this. The Holy Spirit empowers us. He empowers us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 10, it says, If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him, so it's the Holy Spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies because His Spirit dwells in you. Do you know the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you? The same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. That's pretty powerful, would you agree? If it was just the Spirit of you, we would have some pretty weak power. (laughs) The Holy Spirit, how many of us wake up in the morning and believe, man, the power of the Holy Spirit is in me. Amen. (laughs) It changes our outlook. So he empowers us. He leads us. When I was uh, part of a church plant many years ago, uh, one of, there's a young couple who was engaged to be married who were attending, and after one of the gatherings, the, the guy came up to me and he said, hey, I don't know what's going on, but I kind of feel like Maybe God's, I, I want to start something like a food box ministry, but I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if I could do it. I don't know anything about it, but I'm just thinking about it. So that's great. Let's pray about it and see what happens. The next week, his fiance came up to me and said, hey, I don't know what's going on, but I kind of feel like God wants me to start a food box ministry, and, and I don't know how to do it or if I have the power, and I'm just not sure. And I just said, hey, have you talked with your fiance recently? <laughs> And they both said, no, we haven't talked to each other about this at all. And I said, well, I think the Holy Spirit is guiding you, and I think God is calling you to start a food box ministry, and you have everything you possibly need already in Christ to do this. This is pretty clear. And they started this ministry, and we're feeding like 50 families a month, uh, this young, engaged, and then young married couple. And it was something that you say, do you have the power to do that? No. But it was cool to see them step out in faith and just trust that God would, it would lead them and empower them. You have the Holy Spirit in you every step of the way. Even in your sin and your weakness, he doesn't leave you. The power to remind you of who you are and overcome those sins. He's in you. Finally, last thing for today. Again, I said we're going very quickly. The Holy Spirit transforms us into something new. The Holy Spirit's at work to transform and shape us into something new. This is, let me give you a churchy word today. You ready? Here's the churchy word that this is called. This is called sanctification. That'll make you whole, just say sanctification. Yeah. Yeah, that makes you just feel sanctified, doesn't it? Yeah. Sanctified is this process of becoming holy. Or think of it this way. Your old self becoming the new self. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit in you. We're told in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, that it's a sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit or the transforming work in your life. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13. Again, God has chosen you for salvation through sanctification by the Holy Spirit and faith and truth. So the Holy Spirit is changing you, transforming you. And if the Holy Spirit is transforming you, guess who doesn't have to transform you? 
You. God does the work in you. Now, we have a, the, the role of surrendering and saying, God, we want to be open to you. We want to uh, allow our lives to be transformed. We can resist God for, to an extent, to a point. But once you're in Christ, he's making you into something new. Actually, what he's making you into is what's already true of you. Because as soon as you receive Christ, you are fully in Christ. But as one author said it, the Holy Spirit sanctification is the work of getting our outside to catch up with what's already happened on the inside. Our outward thoughts and behaviors and actions start to model and shape the identity of Christ in us. That's a work of the Spirit. And many of us, we could probably have a whole Sunday morning where one by one we come up and say, one thing that the Holy Spirit has changed in you. I bet we could spend a lot of time with that, could we not? I hope. And if we can't, then we've got work to do, to surrender to the Holy Spirit and let him change you. We all have those parts in our lives that he's shaping and changing and taking, making you in to your true identity. As the worship team starts to make their way up, I was thinking about this whole idea of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Spirit. And one question I have for all of us is this. If we truly understood the power of the Holy Spirit, if we truly lived our lives, for those of us who are Christians, if we truly lived our lives in Christ as if this was true, what would be different? Because part of me kind of thinks, and even part of me often drifts back to that first picture I showed you of Stinson Beach, that small wave Christianity. The one that's comfortable, that is nice. It's kind of the low-hanging fruit, the, hey, Jesus is going to make your life better kind of version of faith, which Jesus does make your life better. He does. But if we just live there our whole lives, it just becomes routine. We can even resent faith. Maybe you say, well, what's the point? It's just it's small waves again today, so I'm going to skip. I'm not diving in. It doesn't really make a difference. And I wonder if we're missing out on the vastness of the power and the might of God. Are we missing out on his majesty? Are we missing out on everything he's inviting us into? And maybe instead of small wave Christianity, Maybe God's inviting us to a life of faith that looks a little bit more like this photo here. <laughs> it's an analogy. If you don't like waves, hang in there. This is in Portugal, in Nazare. This is the largest wave ever surfed. It's only 100 feet. <laughs> yeah. You know what these big wave surfers think? When they do this, they say, we know that this is the ride of a lifetime. But you know what else they think? <laughs> Might die. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? It's because they understand and respect the power of this thing. 
See, the deeper we go into the water of God, the deeper we step out in faith, the bigger we say, God, we want to just know you for who you are. We might find ourselves in the deeper waves that are a bigger ride, but yes, we get a healthier respect for this God that we serve. He's no longer the used car salesman God who's just gonna make things a little better. He's the holy God who created everything, the sovereign God who's able to cause us to fall to our knees and worship the God who's worthy of our praise. That when we see who that is, who calls us out into faith, now we're called to a life of adventure. And it's scary. (laughs) And there's times when you think, I don't know if I'm going to make it. But the God who created these waves is going to be with you. And if you don't make it, guess what? You're in his presence. Right where he wants it. We're going to transition to a time where we're going to celebrate in baptisms. And uh, we have a few people. We had several in the first service, and we're going to have a few. And in just a moment, they're going to come over to the side here. Uh-oh. And then when we're going to sing a song, and then we're going to celebrate in baptism. And baptism for us, this doesn't save you. The process of being dunked into the water and going under the water and coming out is symbolic of dying to your old self and coming alive in Christ. It's already happened in you, and this is the symbol of that happening. So each person who does that today, we're symbolizing what God has already done, the decision they've made for Christ. And it's a celebration. This is not a somber event. There's no golf claps allowed. We will celebrate because all of heaven rejoices over one person who gives their life to Christ. So we're going to do that in just a moment, and I also wonder if there's anyone in here this morning who wants to make a decision for Christ, who maybe you've been on that fence and maybe the Holy Spirit's been working on you and tugging at your heart. See, I don't think you're listening today on accident. I don't think if you're online or in the plaza or in here that it's on accident. I think that God has brought you here and if you're considering faith and you feel the burning of the Spirit in you, you want to make a decision for Christ, you can make that decision today. We'd love to pray with you. And if you want to make a decision to be baptized today, you have one song to meet me over here. We're going to talk to you, and the water's warm. It's ready. Feel free to take the plunge. So we're going to sing that song, and if you want to make a decision to be baptized and you haven't already told us, that's fine. Come on over. We'll talk, and let's celebrate together. So let's, uh, would you stand with me and pray? God, we thank you so much for today. I thank you that you invite us not to stay in the small waves of a comfortable faith. But God, you invite us into the vast, the deep ocean of your love, of your your power, your might, your sovereignty. And God, you invite us to fall on our knees and worship and to surrender our lives to you and allow you to move in us and through us and around us. So God, would you do that in this place right now? Would you do a work in our hearts? We thank you and we give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. First one we have is going to be Max. Max, why don't you come up? There we go. Max, stand off. All right. So we asked Max, why do you want to be baptized today? And here's what he said. I always knew Jesus was my Savior, but it wasn't until recently that I actually understood it. 
I'm ready to take this next step in my faith, in my obedience through baptism. Congratulations, Max! Awesome. Congratulations. All right, next one, Noel Merritt. Yeah, Noel. Love this. We asked Noel today, why do you want to be baptized? I'm ready to devote myself to the Lord. I want to follow him and trust him with my life. Congratulations, Noel. All right. We have Ray here. Ray Guzman. Ray's story, why do you want to be baptized? After approximately five years, I had a falling out from the grace of God within the Catholic Church. It took Jonathan to bring me back and to a new home, and I love this church. I love its members. Thanks for coming out uh, today, this morning. Uh, there's many, still a lot going on on the plaza if you want to learn more about ministries going on. But everything we do out there, we do it because we want to help as many people possible discover life in Jesus. That's why we do what we do. And so today what we celebrate was a part of that. So we want to invite you in. We want to invite you into the deep waters, the big waves. Let's see what God is doing here among us and among and in and through and around you. He's inviting you to this life. So thanks for being here today. Uh, as we leave, I'm gonna just pray a blessing over you. But just a reminder, next week, only at 10 a.m., which for you guys, you got that. 10 a.m., and then we're gonna have a, a barbecue right afterwards for Labor Day just to hang out. So it's one service next week at 10 a.m., and the week after we switch our time. So we'll remind you. But uh, we're so glad that you're with us. Would, would you just receive this blessing? where you are. Brothers and sisters of Seekers, you are sons and daughters of God because of what Jesus Christ has done through his life, death, and resurrection. Your sins of yesterday, today, and tomorrow are forgiven, and you may have peace with God. So go now in your new life in Christ, living by the power of the Holy Spirit who's in you. Amen. Thanks for being here. I'd uh, love to see you on the plaza. See you next week. Thanks for being here, everyone.